Hello and welcome to Us Weirdos Have to Stick Together, a show where a couple of weirdos talk all about the L House. I'm your host, Patch, and joining me is the most wanted criminal in the Boiling Isles, Quill. How are you today, Quill? Uh, I mean, today's been like kind of a nothing day. It's like, I, I mean, admittedly, I didn't really like pack as anything that I really can anymore, but like, most of the things I still have to pack, it's like stuff that I still have to use throughout the weekends anyway. <laughs> to like don't get crammed in the boxes and stuff like the morning of but yeah but it's like i mean at this point it's really just like have to like tear apart the bed frame and the desk and everything which is why we're doing this a day early because friday is when i go pick up my friend to the move and everything so like we couldn't do this thursday because then when i have to like do that first thing in the morning friday then drive four hours to virginia and then back or make him do it <laughs> or help me rather <laughs> But yeah, no, it's, uh, I mean, just that about Play Legends RCS, watch that fucking Buckwild Nintendo Direct. Did, did you watch that at all? Uh, no, I was in class. Uh, uh, I have to go to in-person class now, so I can't just right. have yeah. that open in another window. Yeah, because I also didn't know what your schedule was like. But yeah, no, no that... I do. I was using the incredibly pro-gamer move of going to one class and doing my homework for another class during it, so... <laughs> But it looks schooly, uh, so no one catches you. Yeah. Especially because, like, also, like, in college, teachers don't really give as much of a shit whether you pay attention or not, because it's like, well, you're paying for the privilege of being there. It's not like a public school where it's like the teachers really care if you're not paying as much attention or whatever. Like, <laughs> college professors just don't give a fuck. But also, they don't really know you much compared. To, like, and some of my t- professors knew me, like, like my Japanese teacher did because she taught the class for the first, like, three semesters like she taught both beginner and the first intermediate before a different teacher was doing for intermediate two and like the head of the english department kind of knew me but that was also because i was in like multiple classes that she taught for like two years straight (laughs) and also like i had to actually like talk to her in person once about like the english major requirements and everything so she actually like started to recognize me and everything but it's like yeah, none of the other ones really knew me much because most of the time it's like big auditorium classes or you see them for like two days or one day of the week for a semester and that's it. So Very interesting to me because, well, in my undergrad, I was in creative writing, of course, and mm-hmm. I minored in linguistics. And in both those programs, it was basically the same teachers for everything. So I knew those teachers incredibly well because huh. it was just them all day, every day. Hmm. Yeah, no, didn't really have any of that with any college professors for the most part. Now in this class, um, my professor does not know anyone because we started off <laughs> on Zoom, and now yeah, we fair. are in person, and everyone is wearing masks, and she doesn't recognize anyone. Yep. But you, you she still can't... knows who I am because I'm so obviously flamboyantly trans. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm the only one she calls on by name. It's horrible. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, I mean, if you don't know the one kid, <laughs> I guess you're going to pick on the one kid, right? Excuse <laughs> <laughs> me? Uh, but yeah, I mean, man, that, like, did you at least, like, see, like, you probably saw, like, people talking about what was announced, even if you didn't watch the direct? Yeah, I definitely saw a couple hundred Discord notifications. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, hey, to be fair, like, about 30% of those would be, I'll admit. <laughs> I, I just like like I'm not talking to anybody directly like in like a voice chat or whatever during these things. So I like typing it 
the show, Mike. Sorry about stuff. Because it's like, uh, like I, I saw it. There was a pretty good tweet from Austin Walker where he's like, "Dang, this no direct is like the game for everybody that was a fan of like weird, uh, like ignored '90s JRPGs." And meanwhile, me and some other people on Twitter being like, "No, we're Skies of Arcadia, though." I know it's not a '90s RPG, but still, it's close enough. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. A lot of people that really like old games like Chrono Cross and Live Alive, which I keep wanting to say Live Alive or Live Alive, but apparently it's Live Alive, are feasting a lot today. <laughs> but hey, I got fucking confirmation of Salmon Run coming back for Splatoon 3, which, I mean, I had no reason to think it wouldn't because people like Salmon Run. Does that, like, horde mode in the game? Yeah. And, like, got Xenoblade 3. So that's exciting and looks fucking buck wild because it's like they're fusing the worlds the, the first two, which not not unexpected considering the way those two games end, but also still weirdly crazy to see. <laughs> and also, I mean, I I, I kind of want them to move on to the new Mario Kart, but I'll also take them making 48 more tracks for Mario Kart 8 because Mario Kart 8 is the biggest fucking game and the most popular <laughs> Switch game. So, of course, they're going to just keep milking that for all it's worth. Yeah, I. Once upon a time, I did video games, but it kind of seems like that's not really true anymore. Not a single thing in the direct today was for me, as far as I can tell. Yeah, I mean, yeah. like that, that was kind of like the gist of today, it seemed. Like, there, you know, people like me really were popping off, but other people were like, eh, okay. <laughs> but I feel like that's kind of what directs are for the most part, because it's like, yeah, like some directs are, you know, pretty solid some have just like out of left field announcements and other ones are just like okay yep it's <laughs> expected the um, only nintendo news for me today was that they finally fixed charm in legends arceus so <laughs> oh yeah right yeah they finally fixed charm <laughs> yeah that, i mean i didn't realize what was happening but apparently if it transformed it was just invincible and you couldn't catch it yeah, because like I haven't actually seen a term or to Ruby at all, so I just don't. I didn't know this was a thing too until I saw the tweet, and it's like, oh, okay, I guess I was broken. Like thirty great balls on that thing. <laughs> oh wait, so you could throw the ball, but it just wouldn't ever catch. Yeah, it, for whatever oh, reason, okay, when so... it transforms, the catch rate reset to zero, so you just couldn't get it. Oh, no matter okay. what. I, I I read it as like it was basically whenever you have like those like uh not necessarily like story uh like battles or whatever but like the, the like the side quest with like Sudo, the pseudo wither that you can't catch i just mm -hmm. thought i thought people were talking about it, it's like that oh the like that the option for throwing pokeballs just gets disabled i didn't realize it was you can still throw balls but not catch the damn thing yep <laughs> yeah that's a bit busted that's a bit broken but especially it's okay when, now. The reign of terror is yeah, over yeah like especially when you need one of those things for that side quest I still don't know what the fuck it is. It's okay. I got a baby one and evolved it. Yeah. Now that said, yeah. I still haven't finished the stupid Pokedex entry because you have to use a move that it doesn't learn until level 43. So it's oh, just sitting boy. in my party gaining XP. <laughs> That's rough. <laughs> yeah, I, I finally uh, I finished the Cobalt Coastline area earlier today. Like, So I had the option to go to Mount Coronet and I just haven't gotten there yet because I went back to do like all the side quests that pop up after you completed that story mission where you had to go back there anyway like finding the person that gets lost because i think it's the person that gets lost is i i think i'm forgetting if it's if that's how you get the act the opportunity to make mints to change pokemon natures or if that's from the upgrading the farm it might be both they might be interlocked i'm not sure 
there's some there's something I remember looking up where it's like if you continue doing the Wanda quest, that it gets you something good. Yeah, I gotta be honest, that's not a thing I've ever paid attention to in any Pokemon, so What in particular? Natures. Oh, okay. Yeah, that, I mean, special they, EVs or IVs or whatever. Yeah, I like don't I care about all that. I just want my little monsters. Yeah, they, they've at least made it a lot more streamlined than this because, like, you don't have IVs and EVs anymore in Legends because it's like you just have the the grit dust stuff, mm-hmm. where it's like that's just like a flat bonus to the stat. Like, so it's like you don't have to worry about like individual values or effort values or anything since they're just not in there. Like the effort points or whatever they call them now, or just the like equivalent more or less. Right. And then, like, natures are basically just, like, a 10% boost to one stat and a minus 10% boost to another. Unless you get, like, the, like, five or so that are, like, add and subtract to the same stat, so it's just neutral and cancels out. Yeah, see, like I say, that's not a thing I've ever, like... Yeah, no, it's like, if you're playing, like, just a single player, you really don't have to give a shit about any of it. I don't know. Even when I've played multiplayer, I haven't gotten, like, curb stomps. Hmm. Well, I mean, Legends doesn't really have multi. It just has no, training. I'm just like, this has never been a concern for me in any Pokemon game. So right, yeah. If if you're not like getting into like the terrible like competitive like mm-hmm. Pokemon stuff, then you don't have to give a shit. <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, yeah. you give me six ghosts, and at least two of them are new from the new game. That's it. That's all <laughs> I care about. Yeah, that this. I mean, there's. I think there's only like what three that are new now ghosts or something. Like two of them do forms and one of them do evolution. But yeah, it's like ghosts really got treated good in Perseus. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they're hard to find though. Yeah, that's true. I haven't actually found. Well, I ha- I have a basculin now, so I just don't know how to evolve into basket legion. But like, I haven't found a Cyndaquil yet, and I have no idea where Zerua is. I I. I think there was in like the cold area. I want to say because I think I remember there being like a blurb about it when they announced uh, Hisuian Zerua, or whatever mm-hmm. the fuck you guys it, where it's like it couldn't adapt to the cold environment after it was driven out and it died and its spirit is now malignant, <laughs> which is why now it's on the form it is or something. <laughs> but I want to say it's there in the cold area. That would track, given yeah. the uh, video they released about it murdering a snow hiker. Yeah. <laughs> Ghost Pokemon just really fucked up for the most part. No, they babies. <laughs> except except Typhlosion. Typhlosion's chill. He's just here to help people pass on to the afterlife. But yeah, I mean, there's plenty of Drifloon, plenty of Ghastly, and if yeah. you choose your starter, you can make that a ghost. That's about it for the first few areas that I've seen anyway. Yeah, pretty much. Because like, uh, what, what story did you take? Did you take Cynical? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I didn't realize that because I took Oswald. Because like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I usually just take water as a starter type anyway, just because like water is always consistently useful, and like I'm not as big on fire or grass for the most part. I say that meanwhile I have a Hisuian Arcanine and Hisuian Lilligant in my team, <laughs> and like I haven't tried Arcanine yet because I just found him earlier and evolved him and everything. So, yeah, like, I mean, he already started with like Rock Slide and. Uh, Freaking like crunch and stuff like that, so he already has a pretty solid moveset. But like, dang, that Hisuian Lilligant is just really fucking strong. <laughs> like, it's like until I just happened to find a random sunstone from Ursa Luna just wandering around, she was just sitting in my party, just being like, okay, well, she's got like all the powder abilities and like energy ball, and that's it. And she doesn't really do much and she dies easily. But once she evolved, it's like, okay, well, now she's got 
Leaf Blade and Poison Jab and Drain Punch and her signature <laughs> move of Victory Dance, which increases her uh, defense and offense stats and makes all of her attacks do 50% more damage for a few turns. It's like, well, fuck, you just turned into a fucking beast. <laughs> She's like basically my strongest Pokemon now. I've got a uh, an Alakazam in my party that I didn't want there because it's not a ghost, but also it's by far the strongest Pokemon I have. It's like level 65. Yeah, Alakazam is just consistently strong, like throughout, like since Gen 1, basically. It's kind of like dipped in popularity as like more psychic types and like m- more like, like, dark types have been introduced but yeah he's still pretty good i'm I mostly like i think my team is like really like around like low 50s or so so it's like anytime a story battle shows up i'm just like well i'm just gonna fucking destroy your glaceon here yeah. Yeah, sorry <laughs> you're 30 level 36 i'm like level 50 i apologize i get distracted too much and get leveled up too much <laughs> yeah i actually uh, I did like the entire uh, Noble Lilligant fight without actually getting her in a position to fight her with a Pokemon. I just threw the fucking bombs the entire time. I don't know what I messed up, but I never got it situated to actually fight her fighter. Yeah, I mean, if I'm honest, I've just, like, skipped those fights every time. <laughs> every time it tells me to send out a Pokemon to fight, I just keep throwing more bombs, and it always yeah. works out. Well, I mean, like, yeah, because, like, fighting it with a Pokemon does take out a decent chunk of its bar, but it's really not hard to just fight it for the most part. Like, even with uh, Arcanine, I basically only, like, had to fight it, like, once, where I just had Samurai just fucking kill it in one shot with Aqua Tail anyway. But for <laughs> the most part, I just threw bombs at it again. Yeah, no, th- those encounters are strange. Like, they're not, I don't dislike them, but they're just weird. They're definitely not very Pokemon. <laughs> No, they're they're very. I mean, obviously they want to do like the blend of like the out of combat and in combat thing with them, but it's also just strange because you don't actually need to fight it, fight it with a Pokemon at all. Also, the invincibility frames are very weird. Yeah, they're they're a bit strange, especially during like the Arcanine one, because it's like with his like uh like jumps or whatever that make like the shockwaves. It was always just kind of strange with having to time it. Still haven't yeah. died though. I'm like. How far? I don't even know how many hours I have in the game. Like at least like twenty five or so. There are thirty at this point, but I haven't died yet. Yeah, during the Arcanine fight, like he does that thing where he charges across the field at you, right? Yeah. And you can just if you're you can dodge toward him and just go straight through him without having oh, to yeah, get out I, of the way. Okay, yeah, I always dove to the side. I never dove towards him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, as long as you're dodging, you don't take damage. So. Uh yeah, I guess it doesn't matter what direction you're going in. I mean, it's kind of like Dark Souls, which is also pretty funny because, like, when they bring up the the dodge uh, given vulnerability frames, I think during the Noble Lilligant fight, it's like just talking entirely about like invisibility frames, and I'm just like, this is really weird terminology to have in a Pokemon game. <laughs> like, I understand it because I've played tons of video games, especially playing the Souls games, but it's like this is just kind of silly to like straight up say the phrase invisibility frames in a game that is going to be played by a lot of children. <laughs> but, right, whatever. I'm, I'm kind of curious how the game is doing with a younger audience, because it's like it's a lot less forgiving than regular Pokemon it seems. That's like, definitely true. Yeah, you, you faint a lot. You keep having to heal a lot. Like I, I, I've not really fought many of the alpha Pokemon. I basically just like throw a berry at them, then sneak up behind them with one of the like the heavy balls, throw it at them, and run the fuck away. And like 
I've caught like I think I only fought like maybe like three or four of them properly and caught them in battle, but like I have a level sixty nine Empoleon just sitting in the box. Just <laughs> chilling out, not doing anything. Where it's like, yeah, like I got that big guy, I have like multiple chances. I have multiple I, I caught two Gastrodons and one I just decided to put to work on the farm because he's just a big boy. <laughs> I'm just like taking that massive Gastrodon. That's like how I saw people on Twitter be like putting uh fucking Dialga there instead to work on the farm because he's just very funny to just see the god of time working on the farm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did spend a lot of time running around the Holma trials because I heard a rumor that there was a big hunter there, but I couldn't find it. So for yeah. now I'm big hunterless. Yeah, it's it's strange because it's like some of the alphas are just like a set in stone. Like everybody knows about the Starlights and the Rapidash and everything. Yeah, but like some of them seem like they're random. Like I, I, uh, I definitely yeah, once haven't... you complete the the noble fight for the area, then any Pokemon can spawn as an alpha. Oh, okay. I didn't realize that was the thing. Okay, yeah, because like I, I mean, I want to say like most of the ones I probably have found at this point are set in stone ones. Like I found a Chansey on like a small island in the Korea. Yeah, but then like, yeah, but like at some point I just found like a random freaking alpha Geo dude, and so it's like okay, this is a big Geo dude. But I feel like if it was good, like one of them that's like always going to be there, it would have been like a Graveler or Golem instead. Mm-hmm. Kind of like how there's like the Machamp in the coastal area. Where is it? No, that's the Machamp. Right, not a Machamp. Because I'm spending so much time on filling my decks, I wind up spending a lot of time just in that first area of the, um, like right outside the camp of the first area where the Bidoofs spawn. Mm-hmm. And so I have just seen so many alpha worm bulls. They're all over the place. <laughs> uh, I have not seen any alphas of really tiny guys like that. <laughs> it's hard yeah. to tell because they're still small. Well, yeah. Like, yeah, I guess the only way you really would tell is like the, the glowing eyes and like the music change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially like how uh, people are like talking about like alpha zubat where it's like i like, i don't remember fully but i think alpha zubat doesn't have the glowing eyes because zubat doesn't have eyes that is correct <laughs> yeah it's pretty funny <laughs> like they didn't bother to put the glow there but yeah they still have the musical cue and everything they i feel like they kind of need to make to some adjustments because i feel like they should have like some on-screen notification that there's a shiny around because if you don't like if you like if you're hard of hearing or hard of sight, you probably wouldn't actually notice the sound effect nor the sparkle in the distance. It's a different color. Also, they kinda need to like really dial back on those flashes from the uh the time space vortexes, the distortions or whatever. Because if mm-hmm. you get too close to the edges, it just really flashes the screen a lot. And it's like that's that's bad. That's yeah. really good for sense for the sensitive people. I mean, I had, like, if you want to get into it, I actually did have a moment like that, too, in episode 12, where it's like, there's a not great flash, where it's like, this is bad. Really? Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a, when Amity blows up the tree when she's using the fire spell, there's like a flash of purple, and it's like, that's, that's not good. It kind of hurt my eyes a bit. Like, I'm, I'm not, I'm not that photosensitive. I never have had seizures about it, but it's like, yeah, no, that's, that still could be a problem. Oh. Um, just hit the 20 minute mark. Would you like to talk about that some more? <laughs> yeah, I guess we'll get into it then rather than take 40 like last time. Yeah, uh, God, we're kind of just in the show now because it's like aside from episode 14, there's already like no slowing down the plot for any <laughs> of these episodes anymore. 
I guess when you like witches, it is a little bit, but it's very much character progression for Amity in a lot of ways. More so, because I mean, she's one that gets a lot of growth. We'll board the torment train. Yep. All right, but yeah, uh, today we're doing 12 and 13 of season one. Uh, Adventures in the Elements, episode 12, opens with Luce reading a brochure about Hexide, declaring that she has a new crush and her name is Education, as though it wasn't already obvious that Luce is bi as hell, considering she's using the, <laughs> the phrase her name, not its name, or their name, or his name. She uses her name. Yeah, Ida runs in the house opening the portal door to unload a bunch of new human trash, because it's human trash day. Luce is too distracted with the history of Exide conquering the previous school by what looks like a teenage bump to really care about the trash. Which, we don't know how old Bump is, but in the next episode, he does say he has 300 years left to retirement, so he's probably just freaking old. <laughs> uh, yeah, Luce imagines herself sitting alongside Willow, Gus, and maybe even Amity, at which point she has the very great Amity old cravity line, which I always laugh at <laughs> because it's just as funny. Because she remembers that they're supposed to be meeting up to get her Azura book back. So she takes off to meet her at the Bonesboro Market. But as she approaches, uh, Edric and Nemar pop out and startle her. And Amity just tells them off and helps loose up because apparently they've been hanging around. Amity being extra protective and nice since they kind of almost got her and Luz killed in the library. <laughs> Which, I'm sure yeah, there's an ulterior motive. No, it doesn't really seem like it because we never really see NM being like manipulative or even like jokey around Amity for the rest of the show I think like at most we see like the bit where uh Edric tries to put the kick me sign on her and the rest of the group when they walk into the the showcase or whatever in, episode, in season two episode two but she finds out immediately and throws it back in his face because mm-hmm. I, mean, I don't remember them being like mean to her at all in the rest <laughs> of the show which is good because god they were terrible in the last episode they were in so I guess I should specify that was episode 7, because they actually were in episode 9 in a brief scene when they looked at the illusion class, but they had no speaking lines. I do want to note very quickly that this scene is taking place in front of a booth that is selling cursed paintings, and I applaud this booth owner for being so honest about it. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> Live your truth. Uh, let's see. Where was in the notes? <laughs> Yeah, uh, when Amity hands the book back, Luz asks her what she thinks about it, and Amity's response is a little dismissive. It was fine, but Luz finds a doodle of her and Malingale's mysterious soothsayer in it, which Amity just promptly disintegrates because she looks embarrassed in it. This is still something that I feel like is hotly debated at times, because it's like, we don't get any, like, confirmation if Malingale is, like, a masculine feminine or, like, gender neutral name or anything. Like, the doodle looks more masculine than anything. Yeah, it sure but, does. I was but we ask all, about that. yeah, but like we have confirmation from Dana that Amity is a lesbian, so it's like Malingale can't be a guy, right? I mean, admittedly, we don't know much about the actual Azura books, or if they are, as a lot of people think, actually something that has taken place and are just being written by an author who lived it. <laughs> so, <laughs> who knows? It's it's weird because it's like at this point they knew that they were going to go with Lumini and everything, so it's like it's. It's a strange little thing there, but maybe like Amity just doodled it for the sake of having fun and to make a little like scene where she's embarrassed. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Who knows? Uh, Luz is stoked saying that they could start in the Zura Club at school. Like Amity doesn't actually know that Luz got into Hexide, but she mentions that Luz has to take a placement exam to be in the same class as her instead of being in the baby class. 
And the big thing with the entrance exam is that she needs to prove that she knows at least two spells. At least panics because she still only at this point knows the light spell, obviously, because she's had too much to do in the last uh, freaking eight episodes since then. <laughs> and Ed and them just like, again, really like that Ed and them are not shit anymore because they're just like uh, being like, oh yeah, no, Lisa's got this. She's clearly power- like working on powerful spells. And of course, Luce, being a stupid peer pressure teen, is like, "Oh yeah, no, of course I know at least two spells. What are you talking about? Get out of here, kind of the old." And then, uh, yeah, and then suggested they train together to show off what they all know. And I really like this little bit of just like physical comedy with the flight siblings because it's like, <laughs> you know, it's like Amity's like sandwiched between the two of them with Edric like kind of like hunched over doing like a squat pushing her upward while Ed- while Emra is like leaning over on Amity pushing her down so she's just stuck between them and has like a annoyed look on her face something I'd like to touch on really quick before we move mm-hmm. on um, that was on the front page of the brochure that Luce was reading the thing about the baby class and she didn't know so oh I, th- I didn't notice it was on the front page <laughs> yeah yeah she Have hands I- it to Amity and Amity does not open it or turn Go to a page. She just flips it around so you can see the cover. Oh, I guess. I guess maybe Luz was like too busy reading the, the interior to actually notice the cover. But yeah, <laughs> no, I, I noticed that. Like she flipped it over just to be the exterior. <laughs> uh, I mean, we know Luz. Luz is a dork, and she doesn't pay attention sometimes and rushes into things. So <laughs> it's not at all surprising that she hasn't bothered to look at that. <laughs> Because, like, as we said back when we did episode 9, Bump did not tell her this. <laughs> Even though I, I heard, I read somewhere on the wiki that apparently this is only, like, a week after the events of episode 9. Like, this is, like, I think, like, exactly, like, a day after episode 11, I want to huh. say. It's, it's, it's weird. It's, like, a very, like, t- like, small time frame between, like, episodes 9 and this one. And then, like, episode 13 takes place apparently the very next day after yeah. everything in this one yeah it's like i mean to be fair it is only like a few months time has passed by this point like at least only three but it's like or three months forever it's it's like it's very narrow here where it's like if the next semester was going to be like a week after loose got admitted into hexide you think bump would have actually bothered to tell her this shit <laughs> but who knows as we see bump bump has his heart in the right place but he's he's not the greatest teacher <laughs> or principal mm-hmm be doing some talking about his heart in the next episode don't you worry yeah yeah we'll get there <laughs> but yeah uh of the show we'll get there <laughs> yeah <laughs> but basically loose denies uh training with them because she says that she has other training plans of course this is a lie because she actually doesn't know any spells besides the light spells so she has to get right on that right now and just flees back to the owl house uh Edith is there like using like some like well, she has like a, a cookbook of like getting food to cook itself, and with her arm detached holding it up. I like the v- little visual gag of her just using her arm to prop up a book. <laughs> it's like, well, well it pops up anyway. Off, you might as well. Yeah, exactly. Because like b- books are annoying to prop up unless you actually have like one of those, whatever those book propping up device things are called. <laughs> I think it's just a book stand. I, I guess it might just be a book stand. I don't know. I, I'm assuming that might be the term, but who knows. But yeah, uh, Luz Bard is into the kitchen shouting that Eden needs to hear a new spell right now, doing a silly little twirl in her moment of panic. I, I just like that <laughs> that little like bit of her spinning on the spot and falling down as a result. While she's, you know, very panicky. 
uh, Edith's distracted with trying to chant the food. Yep, that's dead. Uh, it runs off when she tries to get it to just jump at the pot. <laughs> like, just commenting to herself why she thinks that's ever going to work, considering I guess it hasn't ever. Uh, but Luce just continues complaining that it is technically Edith's fault that only she only knows one spell, and Edith does admit that she's got her there. <laughs> uh, yeah, kind of, kind of very funny that it's like, oh yeah, no, I, I like watching Edith's progression in this whole series, where she goes from like being a bit more like standoffish with Luce to actually really caring about her and even being able to admit like, yeah, you're not wrong. <laughs> standoffish is a word for actively blackmails her in the first episode. <laughs> yeah, fair. <laughs> So, I mean, she, it was it was at least the blackmail came from a place of love because she wanted to get King his toy crown back. <laughs> it wasn't malicious. But yeah, uh, Luce then appeals to Ida's pride, saying that it would look bad if her apprentice was put in the baby class. So of course, Ida's whole attitude to this shifts around, where she's like, "Well, we got to get in on the ship right now." Uh, King somehow overhears this from outside and just barges in through the kitchen door saying that he wants to direct the magic boot camp because he's used to this stuff as the king of demons, at least he believes so. But he just shuts him out fully since Luce has to focus on her magic instead of on King being adorable, which of course, King stamps his feet adorably and slams the door. Where I like the, again, just silly little visual gag, I like the fact that the door bounces off the hinges twice before he closes it. <laughs> like, it's just like a funny little thing where it's like, yeah, they probably had to like, kill like five seconds here but it's a funny gag because it's like yeah we don't want to have you distracting her by being adorable and then doing something adorable <laughs> yep uh let's see yep Ida decides to bring loose to the knee of the titan since it's a powerfully magical place like we never really get confirmation of why it is but i guess i don't know it's i guess it's just because it's around like nature it's like far away <laughs> from civilization and also, like, as we'll find out, like, all magic comes from the Titan anyway, so I guess it's just more concentrated, because there's less people around. Yeah. I will yeah. say, being up at the knee, we are going to get some pretty significant scale issues. We've talked mm -hmm. about this a little bit in the past, but, like, um, so up here, it's clearly, like, mountains, right? Yeah. It's mountain-sized mountains, and that's fine, but in the next episode... It very clearly shows Ida flying over the entirety of the ribcage to get to school. So, don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> the crew of Worms is worried about it, so we shouldn't either. <laughs> I'm saying yeah. the Titan Island shrinks and grows at will, is what I'm saying. <laughs> it's like a Pokemon. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> put, the, put, the, uh, put the Titan inside the Pokeball. <laughs> Take it back into the past for some reason. Yeah, uh, basically, when they get to the knee, uh, Ida shows loose a dangerous demon called the Slither Beast, which is this like weird, like blind looking, like, uh, by, like, and I guess not by Beetle, uh, four legged, like, four legged, like, uh, Yeti looking thing. Kind of looks like Wild Nut from Ben 10, except white instead of orange. Yeah, I'll take a word for it because I haven't actually watched that. You know what? Fair. Yeah. It's not as though it was the best show. Nah, I, I feel like I got that just of like most people like, eh, it's like a show for kids, whatever. But yeah, Ida explains that the Sliver Beast will leave it alone if you don't mess with it. Of course, Luce has to test this melee by sticking her tongue out and going into it and almost dismisses it off before she runs away. Uh, Luce is stoked that they're completely alone, but of course, this is immediately shattered with. Uh, pink fireball almost hitting loose right in the face, but Ida dives out to get her out of the way. 
because uh, light siblings are also here because they came here to train as well. Okay, yeah, that that photo does look like it. Okay, <laughs> fair. <laughs> this is not at all useful for anybody listening to the podcast. <laughs> this is, is a time-honored tradition for hosts on podcasts to show each other <laughs> pictures no one else can see. Fair, yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, Liz has to basically psych herself up to talk to the Blights again because she had to run away from them beforehand to make sure they didn't find out that she only cast one spell. And Ida assures them, uh, or assures the Blight that Lisa is definitely not a baby for the baby class, which, of course, is smooth, Ida. <laughs> but Luce tries to play cool by jumping over the tiny, like, ruins wall that she, they hid behind, and just falls and eats jet, <laughs> but stays in that pose. Just play it off, it's cool. <laughs> like, you meant to do that. Uh, Emily says that she's here to train because she wants to beat Edenem's high score on the exams. I don't know what this refers to because when we see Luce take effectively the exam next episode, there's no score. It's just pass or fail. So he doesn't give her a score, but he does say he's seen worse. So yeah. So I don't know. Maybe there's like a grading system of like you have to get like at least this level of competency to get in or something. It's right. weird. Yeah. It's just like it's like. The way she phrases it, it seems like it's actually like a written test, but when they see next episode, it's just like a little performance of show the, the spells you know. <laughs> hmm. But yeah, uh, Edric at this point just says that like Amity still needs to use a training wand to learn new spells, which I guess like wands are pretty much just like a weaker form of talisman, because like we do know that like they can run out of power, which talisman we don't get that sense. Yeah. So yeah, so it's like. It's also just like strange that it just straight up has like a battery indicator for like a phone battery of like low power kind of deal. It's also interesting to me that they are teaching her new spells like this because at this point you would I would have expected her to only be doing abomination magic, you know? Yeah, because it's like at this point, like she is in the abomination track and she is close enough, I would think, to joining a coven because like I guess. Based on what we see in season two, we kind of get the idea that you can join the coven at like age sixteen or so, based on Hunter. But also, <laughs> like Hunter might just be a special case because he is a teen prodigy and like. Well, I mean, who's everything. the kid that we saw getting sealed in the uh, convention episode? This is this is true. He is still a student, so maybe they're still in school at that age for the most part. But they can be in a coven at a certain age. Who knows? Yeah. Maybe you can join a coven. Wanting to be part of the Emperor's yeah. coven, so I get why she would want to know more, but it's yeah. it's just unusual in my eyes, I guess. Yeah, because like we haven't really seen Amity cast like any magic besides abominations, and I guess the uh Oh, I'm trying to remember the name of the thing that's not Unbreakable Vow, the fucking oath thing from Convention. Mm, yes, the oath. <laughs> yeah. Not not the other thing with the bad series. <laughs> uh, Everlasting Oath, I think. Right, yes, okay. Yeah, I was trying to remember what the fuck it's called. <laughs> but yeah, uh, Luce just gloats that she's working on something so powerful, and I'm just like, please, Luce, stop lying. <laughs> lying is not good for you. It's not worked out yet so far. <laughs> but yeah, she she basically just like props Ida up as like a great teacher, but of course at that point Ida comes back trying to get Luce to eat and identify snow, which just bothers and embarrasses her in front of the cool kids as she's described them before. <laughs> uh, the blind siblings decide to leave, thinking that Ida doesn't want to show off what they're working on, and Luce and Ida have a bit of a spat with them, each accusing each other of not taking it seriously, with, you know, Luce thinking that Ida's just embarrassing her, and meanwhile, 
Ida's just like, you need to take this serious, and you need to take me seriously, Luz. I'm here to help you and everything. And she says that... Hmm? I don't know. Like, I understand what she's trying to say eventually, but at this point in the episode, she's just utterly failing to communicate and only eating snow and licking rocks. This is true, yeah. Like, Ida, I mean, but as we also know, Ida herself has admitted she's not a very good teacher. So it's like, I mean, I, I like at least I like like the moral of the episode that we get to in a bit here later on. But it's like, yeah, I get that like Ida's trying to convey that, but she just doesn't have like I guess have like the words to describe it. And also, she's trying to teach a teenager. <laughs> and like, I mean, Ida herself has admitted she didn't finish school, so like she's spent the last like two decades just well, doing her own shit like it's true that she is trying to teach a teenager i get that but she's explicitly trying to teach a teenager who desperately wants to learn and she's not even trying to communicate what she's doing yeah this, that's fair but yeah uh either she lives alone in that house with a dog and, an, and a <laughs> for this whole time. yeah and i mean most of that time was just with hootie <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> King's only been there for eight years, so it's like, yeah, for like the better part of like the first decade that she's basically been like on, like not not on the run, but close enough. She's only had Hootie to really talk to. <laughs> that's kind of got a bit. That's, that's got to be a bit crazy to deal with. Yeah, that would definitely yeah. damage your social skills. Yeah, but yeah, Ida does assure Leaves that if she listens to her, she'll be able to pull off stuff like Amity's little fireball spell. This episode kind of continues the trend we've had in the last few of having really weird cuts in here because, like, we cut to King for, like, a minute here or so, just sitting outside the outhouse complaining that he once led armies but is being included from the, the magic boot camp. Mm -hmm. uh, he just continues his streak of really terrible ideas that unfortunately will carry over into episode 14, but for thankfully not really past there. Uh, he thinks that he can uh, turn his stuffed animals into recruits to run his own. And just because he also dismisses Hootie's desire to join in. But he also remarks that the boot camp isn't as filmed with recruits who can't react in fear, and then spots the vegetables from earlier tossing Edith's cookware over a cliff and celebrating. So, of course, like, even though he doesn't do it here because of the weird cuts where it goes back to losing either right after that, we already know he's going to use that same concoction to bring his plushies to life. Which, of course, is going to go great for him. Naturally. They're probably yeah. not going to throw him off that same cliff. Definitely not. <laughs> but yeah, uh, we come back to Lisa and Ida, where Lisa's tired of all the little chores she has to do, like figuring out the smells of different rocks and sorting all the twigs from big to small, and also finding Ida's glove and, by a proxy, her hand, because it had just attached in there. I, get that, I guess that means that Ida's body parts can either have a mind of their own and wander off, or her she just didn't notice it fall off at one point and just continued walking on before she's like, wait a sec. But also, I feel like Ida at this point would probably be able to do like some sort of magic to figure out where her body parts might be if they fell off, compared to sending a 14-year-old to get it. <laughs> yeah, I'm a little unclear on that. I don't know how much control she has over them while they're separated. I mean, we we we've seen her like use them to like you know, like move around and like do stuff. Like in the first episode, when her head got cut off, she could move the rest of her body like normal because she used it to like beat up uh one of the guards, I think. Yeah, that's very true. I guess yeah. I just, if you lost your hands, even if you didn't necessarily notice because it didn't hurt or whatever, I would still be, like, moving that hand, you know? Yeah. Uh, it's it's also just, like, 
this is actually not part of any of Luz's training, so why would she send her to go look for the hand? Like, Luz <laughs> has other things that she needs to do for the training, and it's like, either you're just sitting there at, like, your little, like, makeshift camp drinking some sort of hot beverage, you can go and find your own hand. Lazy. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, Luz at this point spots Amity having a little, like, play duel with her siblings, you know, where I, I just liked a little bit where, like, even though Amity's busy at work, she takes the time to look over, stop what she's doing, smile and wave, and that leaves an opening for Edric to, like, make the snow underneath her fall down, so she just, like, falls directly into the snow underneath her. Just gets sucked in. It's a very, like, it's like, oh, yay, these people are actually, like, good siblings. They're not shit to each other all the time, but also it's just a little cute thing with Amity stopping what she's, stopping what she's doing to smile and wave at her friend. Ida says that wild magic is all about forging a connection with nature, which, of course, like you said, she could have mentioned that earlier. Uh, basically, just saying that Luce has to learn from the island to learn another spell because her magic is different than everybody else's. She, uh, Luce tries, but her ADHD kicks in with her own having her own hands talk to her about how Ida's lessons are useless and she'll be in the baby class. It's not helped at all by seeing Amity's training wand just left at her tent at all. So, unfortunately, much like King, she has a very bad idea that she needs to learn the same magic as Amity if she's using the same class as her. But we once again have a weird cut where you go back to King instead, where he uses the... I guess the potion? Because we know Ida was in potions track at school, so maybe <laughs> that's the potion that brings the boo to life. Yeah, he uses that to... out of the book earlier, so I assume it's a... Yeah, it's probably some recipe that she had to make. Yeah. But yeah, he uses that to make his uh, animated army come to life and basically just insults them like, you know, a shitty drill sergeant would. And for their first uh, order of business to go and bring him snacks. He... This is something I'm surprised they got away with in the, uh, you know, the English localization because if that's been edited out in like so many other uh, airings, but... He calls the the animated teddy bear a ding dong. <laughs> it's like I'm, that. I mean, that's just a joke. Of, like that's like a more PG way of calling someone a dick, basically. <laughs> so it's like surprised they got away with that on Disney of all things. <laughs> yeah, he he smacks the teddy bear, and basically while his back is turned, the teddy bear's eyes glow red because, of course, this is a great idea. But again, we cut. We have like more weird cuts where that scene was like maybe like what twenty or thirty seconds, and now we're back yeah. to loose instead. It's strange. I they could have. Beefy Bob is here. Everyone's favorite toxic. Oh guy. yeah, yeah. Hey, Beefy Bob is back. Don't worry, he's not long for this world. <laughs> Pretty will kill toxic masculinity soon. Uh yeah. Loose decides to sneak in Amity's tent to take the, her magic book and wand. Uh. Just a real point, a uh, quick point here. I only noticed it watching the credits of this episode where the book that she, Willow, and Gus have when during the segment of the credits when Luce walks by them at Hexide, it's mm -hmm. actually the same book that they have in there as they do here at the Magic 101 book. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's a neat little, like, uh, catch and miss it kind of deal. But yeah, she goes off to a little, like, cliff face and opens the spell entry in the book to where the fireball is. Noting that, like, Amity has another really cutie doodle of her casting Magic Starbeam, <laughs> where I, I love the fucking little, like, Amity Flight, like, OC, do not steal with the stylized signature of the A and B being, like, part of each other kind of deal, and the little, oh. like, the little star doodle underneath it, where it's, like, it's basically, like, you know, her official Archie post on Twitter, that this is how you know it's there, it's her, like, watermark kind of deal. <laughs> Instead, it's just a physical piece of paper. 
just it's it's a it's just I like that there's this like these little continuous nods that Amity is not as like mean as she is and she is like not above being a goofball. <laughs> yeah. It's good shit. <laughs> yeah, uh Luce like uses the book and the training one to actually successfully cast a fireball on her first attempt. And again, it's like another case where we see that people's spell circles are different because if Luce could actually cast spells using spell circles, her spell circle would be like a reddish orange. I guess close to like a yellowish orange. Compared <laughs> to the compared to the uh pink that Amity did with the fireball. Yeah, but yeah, you know, she recently gets excited about it, but of course it draws Edith's attention where Edith asks her what she's doing, which makes Luce annoyed with her teaching saying that she's doing magic with the wand and uh, yeah, it's 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 kind of a bad scene. I, I don't I don't really like this because it's like yeah, it's like Ida having to argue with her about like, okay, yeah, my teaching, my ways are a bit weird and unique, but so is your magic, and you can't like learn anything from that wand compared to what I can teach you or what the Nylon can teach you. Right. But of, of of course, Luce is fourteen. She's desperate because as there's always one of these in teen shows. Yeah, I mean, it, but also like I mentioned, like based on the time frame, it's like the first day is the very next day in. This so like Luce is like clearly at like a panic point where she's like I need to learn something now any way possible. Yeah, it it's kind of bad though. Uh, but yeah, she like gloats a bit about what she can really do with it. Instead, uses all the leftover power on the wand to shoot the giant fireball, which accidentally hits the sliver beast and pisses it off. Kind of want to point out here real quick. My notes for this episode were really long. I apologize. <laughs> oh, don't worry. I have a lot of notes also. Yeah, I mean, like I said, we're kind of in the shit of the show now at this point, so it's going to be like this more. But yeah, uh, Ida pushes Luz out of the way so that she gets grabbed instead. Again, Ida, you are, oh, you're the self-styled, the strongest witch on the Boiling Isles. Why are you letting a bunch of physical contact get in the way of you during fights? Why are you not just blasting this thing or whatever? <laughs> but yeah, whatever. The blight show up to find out what happened, at which point Amity, of course, spots Luz holding the book and wand, and has a justifiable mixture of sadness and annoyance on her face about, you know, Luz taking her shit, which, of course, also Luz, you're 14, at this point, you know that they could people stuff. But, yeah, it at least worked out in the end. Especially uh, after she called you a bully five episodes ago. Yeah! Well, uh, I guess seven. Yeah, right now, yeah, you're right, five. For some reason, I think this episode working. Yeah, uh, Ed and M uh, last of the Silver Beast by its arms. I don't know what kind of magic this is, considering it's like not really something covered in the tracks in Ur the Covens, but whatever. I mean, the fireball also isn't, so I guess whatever. <laughs> but yeah, Emily tries to blast the Silver Beast with her wand, but the spell just fizzles due to the lack of the magic, ba magic battery juice and kind of berates Luce a little bit for using up all of it. Uh, and then, then said to ask Luz for help, but Luz finally does what she should have done way earlier and admits that she doesn't actually know any spells that can help in this situation. Because she <laughs> only knows the light spell. Uh, the Silver Beast grabs all the blights, but Amity slips out and, like by accident, and it just runs off with all three of its captives instead. Again, we're cut because we go back to King, where he's just sitting on his ass gorging himself, which I must point out again where all the fuck all this human food is coming from. <laughs> Because, like, oh, where do I have it in? I have it written down somewhere. Oh, yes, yeah, so the assortment of snacks he has are pretzels, chocolate chip cookies, potato chips, lollipops, popcorn, a slice of pizza, a loaf of bread, just a full loaf of bread. I don't really snack on bread, but you do, you, King. 
and other various like wrapped candies. So it's like, I know that they sell the portal door. Maybe he's been introduced to this stuff by Luce a little bit by like them going back in. Uh, yeah, he's just eating all that human food, which I guess they sell at the portal door and all. So maybe he can get that food because Luce introduced him to it or whatever. I don't know. Who can say? Uh, but yeah, the teddy bear from earlier tries to take some chips, but King just like yells at it saying he's not privileged to stacking duties. And of course, the teddy bear just walks out the couch with its eyes glowing red, just openly not trying to hide it this time with before. It returns with all the other toys looming over King in a menacing way, but again, more weird cuts because we just go right back to the others with Luce and Amity, where, and, you know, Luce wants to help, but Amity at the least doesn't fully blame Luce. Like, she does admit that, like, because of Luce, the Silver Beast has her siblings, but she doesn't say that Luce would only get in the way or make things worse by helping. She just wants to actually just keep Luce safe <laughs> instead. So she just Makes a very impressive looking spell by just making a big, like, magical barrier cage around Luce. Considering that Amity's been having trouble with a fireball spell, I don't know how the hell she knows this so well, in contrast. It's a bit... The only guess I have is if that thing is made of abomination. (laughs) Maybe, but, like, when Luce tries to touch it to try to, like, get it open, it kind of, like, not so much shocks her, but, like, has some bit of feedback. That's true, yeah. So it's, like, and it, I mean, we don't see, like, Abomination Goo ever, like, do that before, so I, I think this is, like, just some different kind of spell that she just knows beforehand and, like, knows more, I guess, like, probably, presumably if you grew up on the Boiling Alley, you probably learn more, like, defensive spells than, like, offensive spells, I would think, just because of all the things there that can murder your ass. So maybe that's why? I don't know. <laughs> It's it's just weird. It's just a funny contrast where it's like she knows this like protective spell so well and struggles to shoot a fireball. Uh, Amity runs off to go rescue everybody while Luce just gets pissed at the island and kicks a rock while lamenting that she'll never know, learn anything more than her light spell. But when the ball of the light uh, goes up into the sky, she actually spots a light glyph in the night sky. And also while her hand is up, she sees a small pattern in the snowflake. And, of course, you know, based on what we have seen so far, this pattern is clearly another glyph. <laughs> she traces it in the snow, and while realizing that magic is a gift from the islands and it's just everywhere, and when she taps it, it makes a small pillar of ice. So she excitedly draws it all around her on the bottom of the cage and just jumps on it to just launch herself out. And the snow must be very deep, as we saw with, like, Amity falling in it, but, like, Luce would have definitely died if she did not have <laughs> enough snow to cushion her fall. <laughs> Yeah, like she's just like super stoked about learning a second spell properly, like thanks to the island and Ida, and then realizes she has to help, so she gets up to run after Amity. We go back. I, I really should have like actually just phrased this with like all the king stuff, but it should have been it's like a don't separate paragraph and just do all of it one thing in one after another rather than cutting away like this. But yeah, no, King gets thrown out of the window while Hootie's just jamming out to a pair of headphones on his ears. Don't know what they're connected to or if Bluetooth works in the boiling house, but we don't see like a TV player or anything that's on him, so I don't know. But yeah, uh, Hootie tries to play hard to get because uh, King's trying to just get his help but didn't let him earlier. So Hootie tells him that he has to barter with him a little bit, like asking what are you offering, and is easily won over because King just draws a so realistic body on the door just in shock. 
it's just a normal dude body that isn't at all real or anything but who he's very much impressed with it so <laughs> wins him over and he goes and just like opens up the door and just murders the shit out of all these toys <laughs> just ripping the head off the teddy bear and everything and stuffing going everywhere oh i also did miss when king got thrown out of the window uh a bunch of arrows and kitchen knives followed after him which again very funny <laughs> Yeah, those vegetables were kind of ineffective at getting rid of the kitchen gear, huh? Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> I mean, they only really, like, threw, like, the cooking pot off. I don't think they really, like, took everything. Like, they, they took out the thing that was the most uh, dangerous to them, which was them being boiled alive, I guess. <laughs> yeah, uh, we go back instead to the rest of what's actually going on with the A-plot. And the sliver beast restrains Eden, the twins, with some weird goop it just spits out. And somehow Luce gets there before Amity. I'm not sure how, <laughs> but Amity's not there yet. And Luce is just like pops up with like a uh, skull on her head, just being goofy, being like, yes, death is here. But yeah, no, she she apologizes to Ida and says that she'll get them out. I like her stupid little adorable jumpy dance she does on the way out, <laughs> where it's just like her doing like little like fist pump kind of things as she like jumps down the, the, the rocky ramp or whatever. And like Edith just remarks that she at least got to see Lucy's misplaced confidence one last time before she died. <laughs> just very funny. <laughs> uh, Luce pops up over to Amity, where Amity's just hiding behind a rock and everything. And because she has, a, she actually has a plan to lure the Cerberus out of the cave while Amity frees the others. Luce basically just lures, like, distracts it by calling it a big dummy and, and chases after her. And while she runs off with it, Amity uses the, or rather, with a little bit of encouragement from her siblings, more Emera than anything, she actually does manage to cast the fireball spell on her own without the wands to burn the goop away. Which, of course, Emera, please don't take this point to just say, wow, I didn't even think you could do it. It's like, come on. <laughs> you just, the last time we saw you be like this with your sister, you almost got her killed. This is also another life or death situation. Please don't. <laughs> Yeah, uh, Luce lures the Sliver Beast over to a uh, big ice cliff she prepared earlier and just launches it into the sky and just has it slam onto the ground. And when it gets up, Ida just like shows the kid off, the kids off some cool shit and just uses the spell to put it to sleep. Uh, Ida and the twins praise their respective kids for their new spell work. And when Luce excitedly asks Amity if they can have that book club, Amity does say yes, but only if they keep it a secret and blushes while she does so. But of course. Emra and Edric are like, it's not a secret, we're gonna tell everybody, we can hear you. <laughs> and, yeah. But, yeah. Uh, Ida just wants to go home because it's cold now, and they've done what they need to, so Luce launches them home on a nice cliff while the Blights just take the normal way home. <laughs> and they get home to see just a bunch of slaughtered toys, with Hootie cheerfully remarking that he will be haunted by his actions forever. Hoot hoot! <laughs> Aren't we all, Hootie? Yep. Some shit doesn't ever go away, Hootie. <laughs> yeah, uh, like I said, it's a pretty long one, but we're also at that point in the show where it's going to be like this most days. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, would you like me to just run straight through, or do you have other notes about that? Uh, I have a few little things here yeah, still. Uh, uh, this is also the first time that we hear it, but when like Luce does meet up with Amity, Amity does actually apologize to her. Like, she... Like this, I think it's like the second, or no, maybe not the second time where he actually says Luce's name, but like she actually does at least say sorry, and it's like, <laughs> yay, character growth. Uh, 
I also just really like the detail where uh, Luce and Ida's hats are clearly monsters that were killed and hollowed out. <laughs> also, at some point, apparently Dana said that Luce's coat is made out of Ida's hair, which is a bit gross. It's but, fine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, and like I mentioned earlier, like when Navani casts the fireball to blow up the tree, when like uh, Ida remarks that if Luce faces nuts in her, she'll like be able to learn magic like that. That visual effect of that screen like flashing purple is real bad. Please get rid of that. It's they still have not. <laughs> yeah. Uh do I have anything else here? Uh, da, da, da. Oh yeah, like I like I also made this earlier. I do like the moral lesson of since Luce's magic is unique, she needs a unique teaching method that books and training lines can't provide. Right. Which is also just very interesting because it's like she's literally gonna be in a magic school next episode where it's like you would think that the magic school can't really teach her the way that she needs to learn like yeah it's 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 again it's a weird problem with just the education system as a whole really not just in fiction but here as well where it's like the school really the school it would be good for Luce to like have other ways of learning and also being around others her age but it's really probably not been all that helpful for learning as a whole yeah i can't imagine it would do much for her to learn spells that she can't cast yeah i mean like it it, at the end of the day even if it's just for her to live her magic school fantasy then it's like hey well at least there's that (laughs) uh oh yeah also when king gets thrown out of the window does that hurt hootie we've established hootie is the entire house that's true so like he doesn't react when the window gets shattered when King gets thrown through it. Like he, he I mean, he reacts in so much as like, m- like moving his head downward to make the headphones slip off of his, I guess, owl ear holes. I guess he has those. <laughs> I mean, all birds do, I guess. But it's like he doesn't like flinch or anything. So it's like, do the windows not count because they're windows? Like if you got thrown through a wall, would Hootie be like, "Ow, that hurt"? <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. It's just funny. There's actually uh, another Hootie thing I was wondering about, if you don't mm-hmm. mind indulging me. Okay. So we'll see. Like, we've seen it already a few times, but on the back side of the door, there's just the back of the owl design for Hootie, right? Yeah. But there's also two peoples, like mm-hmm. space like binoculars. Yep. If you're sure looking are. Those, mm-hmm. Are you looking out Hootie's eyes? How does that work? What's happening? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nobody can see it, but I'm doing just a real big shrug of my arms. <laughs> Because I don't know. <laughs> I presume you would see through his eyes because it's like if he's all stretched out, would you just see darkness? At which point, if yeah, you would only see... Yeah, that's if, if you don't... Do his eyes stretch internally? Yeah, it's, it's like if you if you don't... If you wouldn't see through Hoodie's eyes, what would be the point of having the people? Mm-hmm. So yeah, now we're <laughs> stuck with the horrible imagery of just two super-duper long eyes inside of that yep. tube. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that you can uh, see through Hoodie's eyes by basically looking at his ass equivalent. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's why nobody uh, ever uses it. Yeah, no, we've never seen anybody use it. I probably won't. (laughs) Uh, I just had one other little note about it. I do like the interesting little clash of personality based on the spells that they learn. Because, like, Luce is, like, the bubbly and energetic one, but she learns the ice spell, whereas Amity is the cold and distant one, but learns the fire spell. Mm-hmm. It's a neat little like contrast in their personalities that they learn those reflective ones. <laughs> yeah, no, that's uh, that's pretty much everything else I've got from that episode. All right. 
Um, well, speaking of big meaty ones, here we go. <laughs> this is Season 1, Episode 13, The First Day. And we open with Luce scared. She's freaking out. She's panicked. She's afraid she's going to mess something up or hurt somebody. And Ida's encouraging her, but it doesn't help. But uh, Ida does say she did the same thing as a witchling, and not to worry about it, which is not encouraging. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, I'm... A little curious about the use of the word witchling, but it doesn't matter that much. It's just that mostly they call them kids, so I don't know if this is a real thing or if he is just making stuff up. And I mean, I think it's really just that like they refer to them as witchling, where it's like if they're just like under a certain age, that they just refer to as witchlings instead of witches. I mean, it, it might just be like a term of endearment. That could be. Anyway, so we cut out to a stage. Uh, this is the Hexside Entrance Exam. And a mysterious cloaked figure who's obviously loose swooshes on stage, an enormous cloak, while also narrating her own rise to glory. Uh, <laughs> Principal Bump is the only one in the audience, and he is not even vaguely impressed. He absolutely just, from the way he talks, he does not believe she can do magic. I don't know why he's even bothering with this test, because the way he's speaking about this, he thinks that she's just pretending. I don't know. I mean, to be fair, he's not fully wrong because, like, I mean, until, like, Luz came along, like, nobody really thought much of humans because, like, it was just common knowledge that humans can't do magic. Yeah, I mean, you're not also, wrong there, but he already yeah. agreed to give her a place in the school several episodes ago. True, but, I mean, it could also just be him being like, oh, I'm just humoring Ida for the moment and make her just go away and clean up the school and whatnot. <laughs> and then be like, and then for him to be like actually proven wrong here, where he's like, "Oh, okay." Yeah. So uh, we do get a return of the pocket full of confetti, mm-hmm. and she reveals that she's discovered these glyphs, uh, ways that uh, witches can cast spells or non-witches can cast spells. And he says that he has never heard of a spell being cast with paper. So I have to ask you, if he's never heard of that, what was that parchment thing Hedrick and Emery used a few episodes ago? Well, I think, I think again, like, I think that is just basically, like, a one-use scroll. Like, like think of it in, like, D&D terms, where it's like, yeah, that's the scroll you could buy, and it's like, it's a spell that you could cast if it was on your spell list, but you just don't have it prepared. So you're doing it that way rather than using up your spell slot and everything. Right, I absolutely get that concept, but he says he has never heard of a spell being cast with paper. So... I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's, I think, I mean, I think, I feel like he's trying to, like, make more of a specification compared to, like, <laughs> how she's, like, tapping the paper compared to it being, like, a magic scroll. Because, like, I mean, Luce just draws it. She doesn't have to, like, channel magic into it. Yeah, okay. I don't know. I just I feel like we need some more specificity on what that was. Mm. But either way, he's uh, not sure that doing these glyphs is enough to pass the test. So Luce makes the face that she used to scare the cheerleaders back in episode one and falls off the stage because she gets mm-hmm. tangled in her cape and falls into Pump's lap and also accidentally activates an ice glyph. Yep. And then falls off with just smack her face right on the ground. Luce yep. hurts her face a lot in the show. And this is when he says that this isn't the worst audition he's ever seen, and officially lets her in. 
the brochure he's handing her says on the front, Welcome to Hex Side, where magic is literal power. <laughs> oh, I never noticed that. <laughs> I notice things more when it's episodes I cover. <laughs> Naturally. You're not pausing every three seconds to take notes. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, opening credits. And we open on Ida taking Luce to school, because we have to establish that it's a new day. And mm-hmm. Luce is panicking again. This is two openings in a row where she's just freaking out about messing up in public. And Ida does ask why she's so nervous. And apparently Luce didn't make a good first impression at human school. She's afraid of being a dork again. So with that in mind, I'm really curious about what her first impression was. If she's totally okay with stuffing a taxidermy with spiders in the middle of class normally. <laughs> I feel like that happened afterwards, where she was like, well, my credibility has been, like gone down the drain anyway, might as well do what I want to do. That's what I'm saying. How do you get to that point? Yeah. I, I mean, years of bullying and neglect, I guess. Uh, <laughs> you get the sense that like Luce has not had the greatest time in the human realm schools, for the most part. I don't know. It's hard to tell, because she seems perfectly happy in the first episode. Mm. The only thing she's upset about is not knowing where her frogs went. Or snakes, sorry, not frogs. Yeah, the snakes. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so uh, Ida says that when she goes in, she should punch the first kid she sees in order to assert dominance. Which, <laughs> good advice, sure. Um, land at the school, and it's... Ida encourages her not to go to school, and the way she's trying to do this is by bribing her with a spider patch that she made for the bad girl coven. Mm-hmm. And the, the 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 feel I get off of this is like a merit badge. So I'm curious if yeah. it's normal for covens if they all give out. I I feel like this is just a in Ida thing. I think it's just her trying to get as many people to join the bad girl coven because it's mostly just herself. I think. <laughs> Right. I think it's just her being a goofball, and she's just like, "Hey, you don't have to go to that school if you don't want to. You can, you can hang out with the cool kids, me, <laughs> and Hootie, I guess." Yeah. So you can actually ask her because can... she'll just get her quitter patch later when she quits showering instead. Uh, honestly, valid. If you are showering inside an entity. I don't want to know what Hootie's plumbing is hooked up to. <laughs> yeah, don't think about it. Don't worry about it. Uh, yeah, so uh, Ida does leave basically immediately as Luce pulls out a couple of sock puppets of the two of them and prepares to write a sonnet that she wrote, but not before she throws her hand at the back of Luce's head for no apparent reason and warns her not to be too much of a goody Luce shoes. Hmm? Yeah, she, she wanted to catch her before she left, especially when he ran out, so that's why she threw her hand to grab Lucy's attention. <laughs> also, I just, I very much like that bit of when Ida is like, whoops, a gust of wind took me, oh well, goodbye. It's like very much like, yeah, even though Ida really cares about Lucy at this point, she's still not above just goofing around and getting away from her right. when this is being her most looseness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, uh, Wandering the school, she bumps into Amity, who's got an abomination that's just mimicking her movements. She's not, like, controlling it, so that's uh, progress for her. She wasn't doing that before. Mm-hmm. And they're pretty chill with each other. They seem excited to be at school together. Uh, after Amity leaves, Luce 
thinks about the potential she could unlock here, but also suggests she might meet a hot yet vulnerable upperclassman, so... <laughs> Not sure what that says about her type, but whatever. Yeah, I mean, Lucy at this point is just like, wow, I really am just living my fantasy with being in a magical realm, learning to be a witch and going to magic <laughs> school. So, of course, she might just be like, well, if I've already got these fantasies checked off the list, what's the next one? <laughs> yeah, but uh, it turns out King has snuck into school riding in her backpack because he wants to eat out of all of the trash cans. And I really, really feel like Luce is strong by this point. Strong, strong, because she did not notice his extra weight in the backpack. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Um, after they split ways, uh, she does warn him to not know who she is because she doesn't know who he is. They're just trying to cover for each other in case one of them gets in trouble. But uh, she meets with Willow and Gus, who congratulate her on getting in, and they give us a little bit of exposition. They point out the banners of the Covenheads all around. All of these people excelled in their studies at magic schools, and now they are in charge of the Nine Covens. They specifically mention the magic schools Glandis, St. Epiderm, and Hexside, and that immediately made me curious why Hexside is the only one that isn't a body part. Yeah, it's a bit strange. It's, it's the one that stands out a little bit. And then from there, I jumped to, do they have saints in the Boiling Isles? Why is it called St. Epiderms? Yes, also that. <laughs> you can tell uh, I was a little off my ADD today. Uh, Bump was watching the uh, BBN channel on the crystal ball in his office. I'm guessing that's probably the Boiling Broadcast Network, but hard to tell. Yeah, that that makes sense. That's like we never like get the full. I don't think we get the full descriptor. We might in when uh, P- Perry shows up again. That's like, fair. At, at we'll the end of right later. Yeah, I don't remember. Anyway, there's a report on about uh, teachers and students at Glandis having been found without magic, and nobody really knows why. He's very excited because it means that they'll win at Grudge Me next time. <laughs> a lot of faith in Amity there, huh? Yeah. Well, but, I mean, at this point, Amity's not on the Grudge Me team. Yeah, fair. Yeah. But, I mean, it is very much just like, Bump is like, ah, their misfortune is my gain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, so... He's going to be a teacher. A little bit dubious. So uh, Luce arrives in his office uh, to talk about schedules. And it's... I don't like the way schedules work in this school. I mean, Mm. I guess it's fine. But yeah, she's picked out all her own classes that she wants to take. And he says no, because she's picked classes from all over the various tracks. And uh, because the Emperor's Coven are going to be here to do an inspection today, he absolutely will not let that happen because it's illegal and they need money, apparently. Uh, so when he won't let her do that, she is asked to choose a track, and she says she can't, asking if there is a piece of enchanted clothing that can help her. So we flash back to Bump putting the choosy hat on a kid's head and it eating him. <laughs> Yep. Hey, for for as much as we like to rag on, you know, the Harry Potter franchise, this is still a pretty good joke. Because <laughs> it's like, yeah, I mean, fucking the head system in the that book series is just tracking, really. 
Because <laughs> it's like, well, you're the evil kids. You go into the evil house of racists. But I very much like the joke here where it's like, yeah, no, screw that. And this thing was a monster and tried to eat kids. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, since she can't pick, Bump picks one for her at random through the most half-hearted eeny meeny miny mo I've ever seen. He only does one line of it. Mm-hmm. And he winds up putting her in potions. So, you know, it's it's like a poem. It rhymes. But uh, he sends her to class, warning her to be on her best behavior because he needs a donation from the Emperor's Coven, which makes me wonder about how the school is funded. Is it federal? I don't... Is this just donations? Yeah, we never really get the sense of, like, whether the school is, like, fully funded from the Emperor's Coven because, like, you kind of feel like it has to be provided by some higher institution and, like, we know the Emperor's Coven is basically, like, the power in the Boiling Isles. So it's like, you would think that, like, you know, if it comes to, like, infrastructure or whatever, it comes from them. But yeah, like, also, like, it it was something that you kind of, like, skipped over, but Bump needs funding because he needs to fix, like, all the problems that Luce has caused, basically. It's like, there's that little picture on the wall of, like, the various incidents she's been involved with of, like, when she, like, made all those abominations blow up in episode three and also the plants all over the place that Willow made in the same episode, and also the busted-up detention room. So really, it's, like, entirely her fault that he needs this funding. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so he's musing about that a little bit, and then someone screams outside, and he runs to the window and exclaims that the choosy hat is broken free. He apparently did not destroy it. So, good job, Bilbo. Well, I mean, the twos he had is, like, a sentient being, it seems, right? So, like, can you really put down a sentient being just because it wants to eat people? Now, see, that's going to get us into a discussion about the death penalty for him. <laughs> yeah, fair. Uh, yeah, so, uh, potions class. Luce learns by beginning to make fog brews, but she sees Willow fighting an Oracle Track student outside and gets distracted. I mean, they're not just fighting, they're, like, dueling. It's, this isn't a brawl. Yeah, no, it's, it's like, very much like a Pokemon or JoJo's kind of fight where they, like, yeah, have their, like, the creations or their stands out. She's able to summon, like, a spooky mummy ghost thing, so mm-hmm. I'm curious yeah. about that, but either way. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, she gets in trouble for that, but at the end of class, she checks her schedule to discover that all of her classes are... And I'm going to read them in order here. Potions for beginners. Potions in motion. Potions parentheses again. Still potions. Potions until you die. And potions after death. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she is very upset about this because her arm already hurts. But she sees the Oracle Track student uh, putting away a crystal ball and goes to see if she's on the right track. She just wants to use the crystal ball to see if the, this is the right future. But the spooky mummy guy predicts that she'll be in trouble very soon. And she is, because Bump throws her in the detention track immediately. Without, like, figuring out what she was doing or anything. Yeah, again, not not the greatest look for Bump. I also just very much like the, the gag here of, like, Luz, like, walking away from it, being like, Nope, don't, don't do anything, make a good first impression. And then she just comes in from the bottom of the frame right next to the cabinet after she has walked the entire opposite direction. <laughs> it's a very goofy, silly thing, which Gus actually repeats later on, too, when he, like, shows up to put the mop on the detention teacher's face. He does the same thing. 
Yeah, so it turns out detention track is just an alternate track you can be put into in this school, a tenth one, if you will. And it's mostly just a place to dump kids so that the inspectors don't see them, as far as I can tell. The real detention is still under repair, so I don't know if detention track is a thing that's always existed, which is kind of implied if there's... I don't know. Maybe this is for I repeat offenders. Yeah, but they also have like a full like uniform coloration for them, since their uniforms get turned to gray when they're on the detention track. So it's like, it's, I guess that's kind of implied to just always be there to just screw over kids long-term that do, like, one thing. Isn't her uniform gray at the beginning before she gets sorted into post? Uh, it, it was actually white. Ah, okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so it's a, it seems like a bad place. She tries to make friends with the other kids, but immediately gets in trouble for talking. Uh, they are... Definitely not learning anything in this class. It's not a class. It's a, it's a trash pile for children. Uh, she takes the fall because she was the one talking and is told to go scrub the classroom. So, great. Love that martial punishment in schools. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah, so we cut to a king in a trash can eating garbage, just like he planned, when a teacher off-screen yells that he quits and throws a tie in the can. I'm sorry, yells that they quit and throws a tie in the can, which gets tangled around King, and he falls out into a class. They decide immediately that he's the substitute teacher because they are impressionable teenagers. He's pretty unsure about this, but when he realizes that he has power now, immediately declares himself to be king of the children, and we cut away. Mm -hmm. This is one of the plots that we've been talking about that's just a little bit weird. It's yeah, it's a, it's like these weird little like 20 or 30 seconds bits that are just sprinkled in throughout some of these episodes. Yeah, it like, kind of feels like they just wanted to make sure King was in the episode so we didn't forget about him. Yeah, because I mean, like he really didn't have to be in this one nor the previous really. It's like it's possible to do an episode without characters uh, looking over at you, Willow, in season two, concerning how often <laughs> they forget you exist. Yeah, no, I feel like this is like just like. A bit of weirdness, mostly just because at this point they didn't know how short season three was going to be. <laughs> so maybe they were like, yeah, we can, like, not no, not so much, like, waste time, but, like, have these little, like, cut-ins just to see what's going on with this character. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a bit strange, but we, we get past this, like, these weird cut-ins pretty soon. Yeah, that'll be nice. But for now, though, uh, Luce is scrubbing the crossbars of the windows of the classroom, and she sees the baby class go by on their way to a field trip to the astral planes, and desperately wants to be in the baby class now. Ha ha ha, you fool. But, um, yeah, so Willow and Gus meet her at the window, and apparently you are not allowed to learn anything in detention track, according to them, so that's nice. Yep. Why are we going to school again? <laughs> yeah, so they say they're going to figure out a way to break her out. But uh, one of the girls draws a little square door on the chalkboard because the teacher has fallen asleep. So he doesn't notice when this door opens into a secret tunnel. And they go in and the drawing disappears. The girl introduces herself as Viney and says she's brought loose to the secret room of shortcuts as thanks for taking the fall earlier when she got in trouble. 
the other two in here are Gerbo and Barkus. And Gerbo uh, really bothers me. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Is it the name or the design? It's just the name because yeah, it's it's a bit strange. Well, a gerboa is an uh, African jumping rodent with enormous oh. ears. It's adorable. Uh, yeah, yeah. But that's not him, and so the fact that his name is so close to that really just yeah. Also, kind of just weird that like Barkus is as a name that's like you are definitely a dog person. <laughs> like it's like it's a little, little strange, but also I mean. Doesn't really matter. These three really are not characters. <laughs> Only Viney has gotten like two lines since this episode, and Barkus never even re returned again. Yeah, so um, they're suspicious initially, but Barkus reads Luce's aura and says she has a strong and silly aura, like a baby's laughter. But he does that by just barking, and so Gerbo has to translate. This room is just full of doors that lead all over the school, so naturally Luce opens one and immediately spots Amity giving herself a pep talk because of the gay panic. <laughs> yeah, so it was already super obvious that they wanted to make Amity be gay. She's just talking to herself out in this hallway. <laughs> about how it doesn't change anything. Out about how she and Luce are in the same school now. Yeah. <laughs> Have you ever seen uh, the pretty good uh, fan comic of Amity repeatedly telling herself it doesn't change anything, even as like she becomes Luce's girlfriend, and like eventually the last panel is them at their wedding, and she's like, "You're just getting married to her; it doesn't change anything." <laughs> Very good. <laughs> Forget the author who did that. I'll find it again. <laughs> yeah. So this room was apparently created by someone named the Lord Calamity, and there's a, a wall of troublemakers just graffitied onto the wall. That's where they leave their names for future generations. And on that wall is a graffitied over portrait of Lord Calamity. Oh, so I actually have a note about those. Sabrina, Maddie, Chris, and Emmy are four storyboard artists for the episode. Because they also do something like that similar in uh, Through the Looking Glass Ruins, where the names on all the graves are people that worked on the show as well. <laughs> like I remember, like one is like Kari or something. I'm pretty sure that they're actually on the show as well. Well, Luce is impressed by the troublemaking possibilities of this room because you can just go anywhere. But the kids are actually using it to study. There's a cutaway where they spy on the Oracle teacher making a cootie catcher, while also explaining that seeing people die is the first thing you learn of oracular studies, and that you have to spy or work backwards from that to find the future. Which, like, rough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so they all study mixed tracks of magic is the problem. That's why they've been thrown in this. So uh, Gerbo is working on a plant abomination thing. It mostly looks like abomination, except made out of uh, uh, topsoil. And Barkus is working on a or oracle potion, which... I gotta be honest, seems like the least useful combination, possibly. Yeah, it, I mean, it makes for a really funny uh, Indiana Jones reference with the face melting off, as you see in the post. <laughs> but yeah, aside from that, it's like, eh, unfortunately, my boy Barkus doesn't get to do much in the climax of this episode, <laughs> by yeah. contrast. I mean, I mostly just don't see the difference, right? Because all his potions just tell the future, so why not just tell the future? <laughs> yeah, maybe a little. <laughs> 
But uh, oh, anyway, Viney is the last one, and she was doing healing and beast keeping, which apparently means that you just get your pigeon griffin to act as a nurse. So, yeah, yay puddles. You've got some lollipops. <laughs> it, it very much does not seem like magic tracks, if I'm honest. Uh, yeah, not, not so much. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so they offer her a chance to put her name on the troublemaker wall, but just before she's about to do it, they overhear Willow and Gus in the detention room scheming to break her out of there. And they say some stuff that Luce absolutely never did about how she's better than this and doesn't deserve to be here. Yeah, it's it's a bit much. I I do like Willow doing the little like tapping her like thighs to like try to lure a puppy over. I mean, like Luce is basically <laughs> just a little puppy, <laughs> so it's like I I just like how she's doing that, trying to lure Luce out. But yeah, so hearing this, the attention kids kick her out, and she doesn't even like the rest of this episode. It's going to treat it as if she said those things, but she didn't. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit strange. I don't know if that was maybe in the episode, but the scene got cut. I don't know. It's it's super weird. Yeah, like maybe a little bit of her talking to Gus and Willow through the window got cut for time or something. Right. But instead, we need to have King being in this episode at all. <laughs> in this place. There is a thing I noticed about the... Uh, so when they go through the door earlier, it disappears behind them. There's not a marking left on the chalkboard. But when Gus and Willow are here in the classroom, the marking is back, so I don't know what that's about. Uh, I mean, one way to interpret it is maybe, like, they had, like, drawn it again to get loose out, and that's why it's on the wall once more. That could be. It could, it could also just be an error. <laughs> but yeah, the teacher slept through all of this, and Gus puts a mop in his face. And then fire trucks apparently show up, because I just heard that through your mic. <laughs> oh, you're getting that, are you? A little, a little bit. Not so much. It's it's cutting in and out sometimes, but I think it's already gone. Yeah, there must be something wild going on. There's like eight trucks so far. Oh, boy. Um, yeah, so at the front gate of the school, the inspector arrives, and Bump has set up a demonstration of some of his more proficient students, because uh, she says that if everything's in ship shape, then they'll definitely pay for his repairs, so that's nice of them at least to give her negotiating power. Mm -hmm. But uh, it turns out she's not the actual inspector, and she manages to not blow her cover for about 20 seconds. Yeah, it doesn't take very long for her to just be like, all right, mask off. <laughs> yeah, so she turns into a sort of a giant eel thing who admits to eating the magic of the people at Glendis, and she goes for Amity, who is on stage, having just finished an abomination performance, and Bump does immediately put himself between them, so good job, points there, man. So at least he does something right. Yeah, yeah. If nothing else, he is willing to intervene when his students are in physical danger, mm -hmm. which is more than the other wizard school's teachers are willing to do. <laughs> a little bit. But yeah, so he tries to cast a spell to fire at this eel thing, but it just sort of swallows the magic. And I thought he passed out here, but he's awake in the next scene, so I'm not sure if he's, maybe he's just collapsing because of the loss of magic. Either yeah, way... I think, hmm? Yeah, I kind of read it more just like he's getting weakened, which is why he does collapse a bit. Right. He's not, like, lost consciousness. 
<laughs> yeah. again, we also we all, you do see Amity lose full consciousness, so hmm, who knows? <laughs> yeah. He's also a she's also a teenager, so maybe it's just easier to knock him out. That's fair, but also like Amity sees this happen. She watches it happen directly in front of her, and then just does literally the same thing and also gets knocked out. Mm-hmm. So she'll learn to be good under pressure, but she's not yet. Yeah, <laughs> give her time. Uh, we cut away to King, who's using a remarkably advanced calculus formula to teach his students how to steal pies from windowsills and eat trash. And they are thrilled to be learning some skills that have applications in the real world. But uh, I mean, there's a roaring can... outside, and he goes to investigate only to find the big monster. It's like squeezing Bump, for lack of a better word. It's juicing him like a lemon to get the rest of his magic out. <laughs> Yeah, and this is what he says he only has 300 years left to retirement. Yeah, do all like, witches live that long, or is he just a weird... Uh, I, I know Dana, or somebody on the show, I think it was Dana, said that witches usually have the same lifespan as humans, but they can extend them through methods that she hasn't really extrapolated upon. Huh. Probably because it might have spoilers for the rest of the show. <laughs> well, apparently it's got something to do with abominations, given what his, his coven is. And also the goop monster that Bellows is. So, who knows? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so, uh, the kids are running or moving through the halls trying to get to Principal Bump because now that Luce has been kicked out of the, the detention track, she wants to talk to him. And I forgot to mention earlier that Gus brought her a trash can to disguise herself with. Which is not here, so it's like, what was the point of the disguise of the trash can when she's just walking around as herself again? Yeah, the trash can does not last. So the no. three of them bump into the monster in the hallway, and uh, Willow and Gus try to do magic. Understandably, they didn't see what happened earlier, so at least I can consider them to be thinking rationally. But yeah. they just get ganked immediately. Not it's... even a fight. This is something I need to bring up. As Gus will admit in season two, he doesn't know any spells or illusions. How does he buff up Willow's plant monster? That, like, is is that like a sub, like section of illusions where he can do like buff spells, or is it just a full on illusion? Even though the plant kind of reacts to it, being like, "Oh, look at me, I'm flexing now." <laughs> so. I don't, I don't know. It's it's a it's a strange one where it's like, is did he actually make the plant stronger, or is he just making it think it's stronger? Doesn't matter because it just gets eaten anyway. It works on D and D three point five illusion rules, which is to say, stupid. <laughs> Back then, you had to calculate percentages, and if you could get your percentage up enough, then your illusion was real. Oh boy! <laughs> Why everybody just uses fireball? <laughs> Yeah, it was dumb. But uh, anyway, yeah. So uh, Luce draws a light glyph, which she feeds to the thing. And it does eat it, but then sort of barfs it up and shredding it, saying that it burns, which is weird. I I think it's more because, like, you kind of see, like, the notepad she threw in its mouth kind of, like, explode when the glyph goes off. So I think it's more, like, just the fact of like the magic being different and also maybe just paper cuts where it's like reacting to that because <laughs> like it's not like magic from a battle site it's magic from the island so it's like it might just react a lot differently compared to 
which he already like what he's used to be able to drain. Yeah, that makes sense. But uh, yeah, so uh, while it's distracted, Luce grabs her friends and drags them into the secret room, where she apologizes to the other kids for something she again did not do. But she warns the detention kids about the monster out there and points to it out the door, where Viney recognizes it as a greater basilisk, which is supposed to be extinct, but that's definitely what that is. And good job for being in beastkeeping. Someone knows what's happening. <laughs> yeah, for once, somebody does. <laughs> they're too afraid to go do anything, though, because they'll just get in trouble again if they're caught mixing magic, and they don't know how else they can help. But Luce does her sort of standard inspiring speech thing by reminding them that they're the only ones who can help, because their magic will get eaten twice? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit like nonsensical because it's like, well, just mixing magic doesn't stop the string from eating magic. <laughs> yes. But she has teenager bravado. So they set up a, a plan and she runs out to distract to draw the basilisk in. She's like getting its attention. And then while it's chasing her, uh they have puddles burst through a wall and attack it. At which point, they have a, a plant lasso thing drag her through the secret room back into the auditorium. At which point, Luce just sort of drops out of the sky and kicks the thing and does a front flip. So, at least she's getting her exercise, I guess. <laughs> a lot more coordinated than she usually is. You know how much she falls over? Yeah, I mean, she fell over just twice last episode. Yeah. And uh, at this point, Barkus uses one of his potions to read the Basilisk's palm. I don't know why you need a potion to do that. This is exactly my point. I'm, yeah, doesn't again... Really do anything but scare her. Yeah, Barkus doesn't get to do anything here. I guess his whole point is he's distracting her while they just drop the fucking things on her. <laughs> I don't know. It's yeah. strange. So uh, Puddles the Griffin and an abomination that we assume is Gerbos, but we're not certain because it's not made of dirt like the other one, uh, cut the rope and drop all the uh, stage sandbags onto the basilisk's stomach where she barfs up all of the magic and it goes back to its rightful owners. Convenient. Mm -hmm. Is she dead? <laughs> I feel like she's dead, right? <laughs> uh, maybe. We never get like confirmation of what happened to her afterwards, and it's like... I feel like with where uh, later on in season two goes, we kind of would have gotten confirmation if she had gotten like brought back in. <laughs> but I mean, we never see her again, so who knows? That yeah, well, who knows? The future is bright. Uh, so Bump is extremely mad at them because they left their homeroom, mixed magic again, and because they have a secret hideout. And Luce points out that they only need that stuff because they're not allowed to learn anything. And while she understands that he needs coven money, it's not worth hurting students over, particularly the ones who saved the school. And to his credit, he folds immediately. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't take much. <laughs> yeah, just basically someone has to say no, and he's done. <laughs> But he does warn them that if they do any more property damage, he will feed them to the choosy hat, so. 
all of the uh, Troublemaker kids get to do their own unique two, um, two-track programs, but Luce still can't pick. So he gives her a full-on Sailor Moon transformation sequence into a uniform that represents all of the tracks. Except it doesn't because it has no yellow or brown. It's fine. It represents potions and uh, construction. She has two greens. There's only one green color for the costumes. Yeah, green for potions. Everybody knows that. No, her green green (laughs) thing should be green and yellow, and she should have like a brown sash or something. Or just turn her cowl brown, even though the usual standard is black. Just, I don't know. It's, it's not fully represented. <laughs> yeah, so he says that he's only ever had one other student who wanted to study all the tracks. And my thought is maybe just people didn't say it because it's illegal. But either way, um, he sounds pretty sorrowful she never had the chance. At which point he summons the painting of Lord Calamity and wipes away all the graffiti to reveal baby Ida. Yep, baby. Is this the is this the first time we see Teenida? No, no, no. We saw her in the uh, we saw pictures of her in episode nine. Right. right. Yeah. And I think we got a couple brief shots of her in the uh, flashback to her getting cursed. Oh, right. You're you're right. Yes. But yeah. So we uh, close on Bump deciding he's going to write a stern letter to the Coven about basilisks, even though they've said that they don't know what's up with that. Ha ha ha. When he bumps into King dismissing class for the day and calling himself a teacher, Bump points out that he's not a teacher, and King says that yes, that's true, but he actually cares about these kids. So, progress. And then he manages to throw his coffee three feet straight up into Bump's face. So we smash cut to Bump chasing King out of the school with a broom, and that's it. Yep. I mean, hey, you say progress, and meanwhile, we know what episode's next. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm so glad that after this, after that episode, King really stops being a jerk. Yeah, I just, I feel like this is one of the first times he's been able to express affection for anyone that's not loose. Yeah, pretty much. Like, even with Ida, he's kind of, like, has a bit of an antagonistic relationship with at times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, like, he will admit by the end of the season that he does care about the, you know, watch her back and everything, but it's like, yeah, it's it's still a bit rough between them. Uh, did you think that they ever wanted to do more with Vanya Jerbo and Barkus if they actually had the longer season three? Because, like, it's kind of weird that they introduced these two characters just for this, because, like I said, like, we only ever see Viney and Jerbo once again in season two, and Jerbo has no lines, and Viney has like two sentences right. that she says, and that's it. And Barkus is nowhere to be seen. This is the only episode Barkus is ever in, to my knowledge. It wouldn't shock me if they were planned for more, but yeah, I mean, like, these are yeah. the only kids doing the same thing as Lucian breaking the law openly. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think that's the sticking point with me of why it's like it feels like they wanted to do more with them, especially because like they introduced new like three new characters with only like what like six ep- uh, wait six fifteen fifteen sixteen seventeen yeah like with like six episodes left in the season it's it's just a bit strange to do so, but at the same time it's like well I guess if something had to get cut these three did even though also Willow kind of. <laughs> Or Willow, maybe you'll get to do something in season two. V. <laughs> uh, duh. yeah, I really don't have anything else here that hasn't really been brought up. Oh, uh, there was one bit. Did you notice that they actually showed blood in this episode? 
Yeah, that was an odd one, huh? Yeah, because like when Puddles gets scratched by the inspector, there's like a little splatter of blood, which is like that's surprising that they actually got away with that. Like I know that like there's like a way more like unavoidable shot of blood in season two. Right. But it's like that's like very like blink and you miss it that Puddles actually does get scratched and bleed a bit. <laughs> it's like, huh, I'm actually getting surprised that they got to do that. Uh yeah, yeah. I have like I mean, Bump complains about the cost of the damage Luce has done to the school, but given how many walls Puddles just smashes through, I think he might be able yeah. to be strong people. Also, it's like, you would think that, like, you could get some people from the construction coven or some of the construction students to fix things a bit, right? Yeah, that would be ideal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's kind of like a... This episode's a little strange because it's like... It's not like a small episode, like... Uh, ironically enough, the next episode, really small <laughs> problems. But it's like, it's also not one that really like moves the overall plot. Like, obviously, it is like, it's just Luke getting to school and getting to go <laughs> and join all the tracks, but it's like, it's kind of just like a smaller one off episode in a sense. No, I just had a thought. Do you know how it was so easy for King to get into the school? I mean, what happened to the trouble sniffers, huh? Yeah, they're, they're gone. <laughs> maybe maybe once uh, the ban on Luce got lifted, Bump was like, all right, we don't need these people as much anymore because the only like major troublemaker around was Luce. <laughs> she wouldn't get in again. Who knows? Hmm. Who can say? <laughs> uh, yeah, I have just like a few other little like trivia bits to go over from these two. Yeah, go for get it. That. Uh, episode 12, as we find out, takes place on Hootie's birthday. We don't have an actual, like, set date for when an episode is, but it's just funny that it's, like, actually Hootie's birthday. <laughs> and also, as we'll later find out, for reasons why he wouldn't notice, King also doesn't know when his own birthday is. Even though you would think that, like, by this point, King celebrated birthdays, but at the same time, maybe Edith just hasn't, because <laughs> she also wouldn't know his birthday. <laughs> it's It's just a little, like... Oh, yeah, like, in King's case, way sadder implications that we'll see way early in Season 2. <laughs> uh, there's also a blue shirt with purple imprints in the junk pile at that beginning of the episode. It references both Doug and Rocco, because the color scheme is worn by Patty Mayonnaise and Doug and by Rocco in his own series. Mm -hmm. I also know that uh, King has a fanny pack that is basically the same colors in Episode 14. <laughs> It's just a very uh, funny coincidence that showed up twice, and it's a reference to other shows. Uh, one other little thing here, King's Turtle toy, which I'm going to mispronounce this, but I think it's pronounced Aloise Turtle, or Aloise Turtle, I forget. Uh, it's actually the name of a turtle in Infinity Train. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, oh yes, also, did you remember that when the first day originally aired, Luce's outfit was wrong? Uh, I didn't see it when it was originally aired, so I can't say. Oh, that. okay. Like, when I first saw it, like, through Disney Plus, even, way back in, like, December 2020, her outfit was actually already her mixed track uniform when she's behind stage with Fida, but then when she comes out on stage to, like, talk to Bump, she's in her normal clothes. <laughs> but it's it's been since fixed because like when I was rewatching it too through the side I used, she has her normal clothes on. So it's like it's it's a very strange oversight because it's like I remember that being if you go back and like 
rewatched the beginning part of uh, Rebecca Rose's uh, re- like review slash conversation about the episode, mm-hmm. where she's like watching it. She also knows like, wait, why is Luce in the mix track costume already? Because it's like that wouldn't make sense. So, like she originally thought like, is this like a flash forward or something? But no, it's just it was an error, which that's a pretty big error. <laughs> not gonna lie. Uh, uh, another thing I have here. Did you note that Luce's puppet of Ida foreshadows Ida's eye at the end of the season one finale? I can't say that I did. No. Yeah, because like she has like a normal, she has normal colored eyes for her puppet, and one of Ida's is normal, but the other one's gray. Hmm. Yeah, it's a, it's a very funny. Like, oh hey, I guess maybe that was a planned thing for the crew to do, where it's like we're gonna sneak that in. <laughs> because obviously, like, Luce wouldn't know that's going to happen, but it's just a funny little, like, reference to an episode, like, six episodes from now. Or, yeah, six episodes. Uh, also, is this the first time we ever seen King's tongue? Because I don't remember seeing that his tongue is black up until when he's <laughs> licking the, uh, the thing of the donuts or whatever, or the cupcakes in the trash. Yeah. I don't remember, because, like, he's only really, like, opened his mouth once so far in the show back in convention. I don't remember if he saw his tongue in that. I just noticed it in this one where it's like, ugh. Got like a <laughs> weird giraffe-colored tongue. It's a little visceral, yeah. Yeah. Uh, da, da, da. Also, uh, another little thing of note, are witches not full of liquids? Because Bump comments about humans being full of liquids. You know, like when he picks potions for loose, and he's like, oh, you humans are full of liquids, aren't you? <laughs> Are witches not? <laughs> uh, I don't know. <laughs> I would think maybe their biology isn't totally different, mostly just from like the bile sac and the ears, but who knows? Maybe they have some other circulatory system? I don't know biology. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Yeah, that's all I really had on those, like in terms of like little trivia bits. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Well, where would you like to move next? Uh, Questions or crimes? Uh, We can do questions real quick. Sure thing. Because I actually have it, the foresight to have it open in the browser. Nice. Uh, so, as always, it's Casey again uh, sending us questions because she's rad and likes asking us stuff. Uh, her first question is, what would you want to do to relax in winter weather? Which, I mean, I feel like I'm already kind of doing that because I'm just, like, sitting really stupidly with, like, my like <laughs> knees propped up on my chair, just reclined as is. I guess, like, if it was, like, ideal circumstances, it's, like, I would want to be in, like, kind of, like, a ski lodge kind of setting with, like, a roaring fire with, like, hot chocolate and stuff <laughs> and a nice cozy sweater and blanket and stuff like that. Of course, who knows when the fuck that can happen because of the fucking pandemic still. <laughs> but, yeah, no, nah, it's... I don't know. I, I I like wearing, like, you know, heavier clothes in general, but not when I'm at home. So, it's, like... <laughs> I mean, at the moment, I'm just wearing, like, a pretty lightweight like long sleeve shirt just because i still get chilly because of all the estrogen so right yeah hello what about you uh well personally i love the cold it's my favorite weather um the problem is is that i'm no longer as cold proof as i used to be so even though i used to be able to not wear sleeves ever now i actually do have to wear coats especially since i'm in canada now um (laughs) fair I don't know. Generally speaking, as long as I've got a big fluffy blanket and the cat with me, I'm perfectly happy. <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, in this case of like every time I wake up in the morning, it's like, oh god, I have to get out of the fucking bed, and I know it's gonna be cold. Weirdly, I haven't had that. I I think it's mostly just me is the thing, because like I mean, it is like essentially like I mean uh like my first like proper winter since starting hormones, because like I started back on the last day of November last year, so it like wasn't as kicking in as much until like spring basically had come along mm-hmm. in 2021 so i guess it's maybe that i think it's also just i think this apartment might just be a bit drafty i don't know i'll figure it out based on when my friend is here in two days if he thinks it is too but also i'll figure it out on my own when i'm moved out of here in freaking almost just three days <laughs> oh boy the cat by the way if you hear all that background noise that's her knocking stuff over on my desk uh yeah no i don't hear the cat cameo from ziggy <laughs> yeah don't hear her but i mean yeah it, i think it is like a combination of those things and also i'm just a skinny person in general even mm-hmm. though i'm like gotten like even though my appetite has shot up because of hrt it's like i still stay consistently skinny so i feel like it's me basically not having meat on my bones so i get cold easily <laughs> And also, I mean, to my detriment and also benefit, I do have a fleece comforter now. So it's like, especially when I wake up in the morning, I'm like, ah, fuck, I don't want to get out of here. This is too comfy. <laughs> like I say, I haven't had too much of an issue with that. The building I'm in has some mad, mad um, central heating. So it's just like, I would not know it was cold outside. Hey, that sounds great. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, there's one other question that she sent in of if you could have a giant snow guardian to protect you, what would they look like? I guess it's mostly just because of like the sliver piece being in this episode. Yeah, is I guess the prompt of that. Uh, uh, I'm trying to think. I mean, my first answer is Snowball from Frozen, so uh, is oh, wait, isn't he named Marshmallow? Yes, that's the one. Okay, yeah, I thought so, because I was like, I'm trying to remember Frozen 2, because I've only seen Frozen 2 once, which <laughs> I feel like is just the refrain, because nobody really gave a shit about Frozen 2, because it was Are you very kidding? That's great. Eh. <laughs> hey, remember when they tried to do a colonialism story in that, and then didn't actually have the colonists suffer anything? Yay. <laughs> uh... Yeah, no, I, I guess I'm just mostly thinking of, like, the snow golems in Minecraft is my first trot. Because <laughs> it's, um, like, just, just silly, like, pump, like snow, snowmen people with the pumpkin head. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't know. Uh, I mean, I guess <clears throat> the other idea that I just had popped in my head was just an Obama snow. Because it's basically just a giant Christmas tree. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry, I'm using a Pokemon around the table. You know I'm not going to not pick a Frostlass. Uh, that was the Twitter. Did we have anything in the Gmail this week? Uh, let me check again. Nope. Okay, well, we do have one more question from Icy Shadow in the Audio Entropy Discord, asking, what are your thoughts on the magic system in the Owl House? Oh, oh, dang, okay, sorry, I didn't actually see this. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I didn't realize that you uh, posted the tweet, so yeah, we got the question there. Uh, da, da, da. Uh, what are your thoughts on the magic system? I mean, I, I like the magic system in the Owl House. I, I like that it's like, I guess like it's mostly the thing I think of the most is that it has like 
similarities to like the transmutation system uh, and like the spell circle kind of deal in uh full metal alchemist mm-hmm. where it's like you know everything comes from something so it's like yeah you never need to like generate your own magic or draw it from the islands and like obviously it's like stuff like that doesn't work in the human realm yeah so, yeah and like also like the glyph system like it's it's obviously like a little bit more of like a not so much simplified but like quicker to draw <laughs> form than like all the uh transmutation circles that uh, then I'll have to draw which I mean makes sense Luce is 14 and she can't draw them as quickly as <laughs> needed for that kind of stuff but yeah no I, I like that it's like a, a system of magic that has rules and makes sense when you think about it as opposed to another young adult wizard series that would go unnamed I mean it's a solid start but we need to know more of the rules is all I'm saying <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there, I mean, we do have like thing, like things come up of like questions of like how is it that Luce is like able to make like the like lift do different things or like how it like caught fire in uh, the episode with Pinette or in this one where wrong. like it's a very solid base. I just every single episode we've had questions about what magic is this? How is this happening? A, a little bit, yeah, because like I mean, there's a lot of spells that just do not fall into any of the what you call I mean, the coven tracks and everything. Yeah, it's still it's still a case of like. When I was getting the tattoo, I was like, do I want the version that has just, like, the one circle around it, as we see when Luce, like, first discovers the glyphs, or the second circle around, which is how, like, they kind of get drawn more often. Mm-hmm. It's, like, it's like a weird case where it's, like, nobody's really sure, like, if it's, like, if you can just, like, edit them a little bit, because, like, as we see in, like, season two, episode two, like, either trying to, like, edit glyphs by, like, over, like, laying them over each other, that fucks up the magic and everything, so it's, like, how far can you go to like edit a glyph to make it still work in a different way? Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? <laughs> I mean, I got the one with like the outer circle just cause I felt like it looked better than just the one circle overall. I'm inclined to agree, especially for a tattoo. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. No, I mean, again, like we said, like it's, I like the system. It's just that like, we always have questions that unfortunately I don't think are really going to get answered. At least not on the show. Like, I feel like this might be stuff that like, Dana answers in like an AMA later on when the show's finished or something. Given the way Disney Channel usually does stuff, it would not shock me for there to be a like a Owl House Book of Spells six months after the show ends. Because they yeah, did that like, for Gravity Falls and they did it for um Star versus the Forces of Evil. So Yeah, like some sort of companion piece that's like, here's how this stuff really works, kind of deal. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I like it. I like that it's consistent at least. It's uh, I've seen I certainly have seen people trying to make like translate like summon abomination into D and D fifth edition, which is like it doesn't really work out when you try to do it like that. Because <laughs> I mean, like also it's like if you're trying to like make a spell like that, just use summon elemental. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, well, yep. in the future, for those of you who have questions, we're at us weirdos cast on Twitter, and you can also send those to us weirdos cast at gmail dot com. And we also hang out in the Audio Entropy Discord, so if you're in there, just post them somewhere. I'm sure we'll find them. Yeah, just add one of us, probably. That's how we'll see it. Yeah. Yep. But yeah, uh, we can do Lucid's Crimes real quick, because it's pretty short this week. It's kind of just more the same in terms of, like, it's just more endangerment of others and more theft, because, like, she does get Ida and the twins put in danger because of uh, taking the wand, which, you know, also theft. Right. Yeah, it's it's not as much. Like we're we're get we're getting close to the point where she's gonna like really pop off in a sense. 
Once he's doing a full-on treason, <laughs> that's when it's like that's when it hits the apex. I feel. <laughs> yeah, uh, but aside from that, I just have the artist of the week here. Plug. Uh, I hope I'm going to pronounce this right. It's Abolical. I've mentioned him before, uh, back on the pilot episode, because like he's the one who made the uh, Lucinamity uh, poster that I have of like right at, like. He made that like two days after Through the Looking Glass Ruins of Aired because it's like it has like uh, lavender hair damity and everything, and it's like her holding her like slightly burned up uh, library card and Luz holding the Echo Mask and everything. <laughs> with, them, with them, like, uh, as I didn't realize at the time, they're standing in front of a statue of Azura with the like the Grom tiaras floating about their heads. There's like little details like that I hadn't noticed because I was mostly just focused on the sapphics, to be fair. But yeah, uh, he draws a lot of like Disney crossover stuff. Like it's all of stuff like every time like a holiday comes along, he does like fan art of like them ever hanging out or, like like you know, characters from like Amphibia, Owl House, uh, She Ra, like DuckTales all hanging out, like playing games and like on like Christmas and stuff like that. But in terms of like Owl House ones, uh he recently did one of Luce and Navity swimming in the ocean in the human realm that was very good and cutesy. Uh, there was another one recently of Beta Luce teaching Beta Amity how to roller skate, with, of course, Beta Amity being very scared <laughs> because she's not done that stuff before. And uh, there's also one where I remember seeing this. Uh, remember the first uh, like voice actor Q&A that they did with like uh, Luce, Kikimura, and Rain's voice actors, and also, I think, Hunters? Like, maybe like half a month ago, like half a year ago or so? can't say that that's the sort of thing I really tend to pay attention to. Okay, fair, yeah. But they did one uh, where they were, like, you could, like, buy posters that they would sign based on, like, which character was in them. Mm -hmm. And one that uh, Isabolical had drawn, I think it was, like, it's a, like, uh, like Lilith and Ida, like, curse-themed one. Cause I, oh, I think, like, I think Sissy Jones was there, too, the voice of Lilith. So I think it was, like, if you had ordered that one, you would get it signed. So it's just, it's a neat thing where it's, like, his fan art got uh, acknowledged that much by even the crew themselves, where they actually like partnered with him to have that available as one of the options. So yeah, it's pretty cool, all things considered. Uh, surprisingly, surprisingly, huh, surprisingly, he has less followers than uh, S, who I shielded on like the second proper episode. That's amusing, but also S only recently got to ten thousand. She, it was very funny. She had promised like ages ago that she would draw a proper like Lumity kiss at ten thousand, and then when it got pretty close, she was like, "No, people unfollow. I don't want to do this." But she did it. <laughs> it was still jokey and funny. <laughs> yeah, no, I I think that's all said and done. I think that's everything for this one. Okay, well, until yep. next time, uh, you can find me on Twitter at patch underscore jacket. Um, no, that's pretty much it. And you? Yep, you can find me at Mir underscore Quill, M-I-R underscore Quill, where I guess over the next few days I'm mostly just going to be tweeting about how I fucking hate moving. Because <laughs> also by the time that you're hearing this episode, I'll be in Connecticut. Oh god. Be fun. <laughs> yeah, it, I'll be fine. It's, it's really just having to finish packing the last few things and then driving four hours to pick up my friend, driving back, getting the moving truck, packing the moving truck. And then having to drive 10 hours <laughs> across two days. Okay. Yeah. Well, then I'll, I'll live. I need to wish you happy trails. But other than that, there's not much left to say. But uh, 
remember. Let's uh, stay together. together. Bye. Close Bye. <laughs>